Joe Biden is flipping his middle finger at tens of millions of Americans in his move to effectively cancel student debt. Typical myopic and unscrupulous Joe. Realizing that his noxious policies have caused his party to stare down the barrel of an historic trouncing in the upcoming midterm elections, he's now desperately trying to bribe millennials and Gen Z voters by forgiving what they owe. It won't work. A large contingent of that same voting group who worked hard to dutifully pay off their college loans, plus millions who elected to forego a higher education they could not responsibly afford, are massively pissed off, to put it bluntly. And then there are the parents of young people who scrimped and saved for years so that they could pay for their kids' exorbitant tuition, room, and board. They poured every spare dollar into college savings accounts. They drove their cars until they were broken-down clunkers. They skipped vacations. They stayed home. They took out a second mortgage on their homes or chose not to buy one at all. Joe is telling those folks they were suckers for their sacrifices. Biden knows that his presidency is a raging five-alarm fire. There's no hope of dousing the flames of his own incompetency. His poll numbers are at the bottom of the electoral garbage can. The stench would make any sentient politician faint or quit in disgrace. Biden's deficit among young people is especially disastrous. An abysmal 21% of those under the age of 35 approve of the way the president is handling his job. That's according to Quinnipiac. That subterranean faction of 21% that like Joe, they've got their collective head in the sand. But nearly 60% of young people are actually paying attention. They disapprove of Joe Biden. I doubt that his malignant effort to buy their votes will work. Trolling for ballots is what Dems do. They've been snookered by AOC and the uber-woke crowd to think that everyone's as dumb as they are. So Biden enthusiastically signed on to the far-left progressive agenda of debt forbearance or outright student debt cancellation. They signed on to the war on oil and gas, open borders, BLM forever, a kumbaya approach to criminals, build back better, and trillions of dollars spent on free stuff. Anyone with a functioning brain knows that's a recipe for economic and social disaster. And so it has become. Historic inflation, rampant crime, border chaos, high gas prices, and rising government debt that will inexorably lead to a recession in which Americans will continue to suffer. You can never go broke betting that liberals will drive our engine of growth and prosperity into a filthy ditch. What's astonishing is how quickly they did it. With Joe at the helm and Democrats in control of Congress, they managed to mangle everything in one short year. Voters are now afflicted with an acute case of buyer's remorse. They can't wait until November to reverse course. 
their real regret is they're stuck with Joe Biden and his vapid shill Kamala Harris until January of 2025. That's a long passage of time, agonizingly so. One can only imagine and fear all the havoc and destruction that Joe Biden can wreak between now and then. Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times bestselling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. Watching the news, seeing the horrors around our nation and beyond, the suffering in Ukraine, those left behind in Afghanistan, and here at home, parents trying to feed their kids and fill their gas tanks. Well, I have a warning for you. Inflation and tax hikes are Biden's only way out of our $28 trillion federal debt. If you want to protect your hard-earned money, your IRA, your 401k or savings, you can do that with physical gold and silver. Call now, 855-665-0767 to get your free gold IRA kit. That's right. Call 855-665-0767 and my friends at Gold Co. will give you up to $15,000 or more in free silver with a qualified account. Gold Co. has helped thousands of Americans protect their retirement against inflation and tax hikes and the uncertainty of this economy. Protect yourself and your family. Call 855 665 0767 now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. President Joe Biden keeps repeating his blunders. By fiat, he once again extended the pause on student loan payments and interest accrual through August. He also canceled debt for some 40,000 borrowers. If the lefties get their way, he'll continue loan forbearance in perpetuity or simply erase or forgive all of the accumulated $1.7 trillion debt for the remaining 3.6 million debtors. That's right. We're talking a big number here, close to $2 trillion that's supposed to magically vanish overnight. Except it doesn't really disappear. That's just a sleight-of-hand trick. The burden gets passed along to you, the American taxpayer, who must bear the financial cost. That kind of gargantuan giveaway is exactly what it appears to be. It's a naked attempt to reverse the political fortunes of Democrats, but especially Joe Biden. Rodents have a higher approval rating. I wonder what will happen if the poll numbers don't budge at all. With the swipe of a pen, will Biden wipe out everyone's car payments or credit card debt, cancel their home mortgages and business loans, expunge rental leases? Oops, he already did that with the eviction moratorium. If there's a consistent, constant pattern in Biden's contempt for the rule of law, it's that he knows he's exceeding his presidential powers. No matter, he does it anyway. Sometimes he even brags about it. It's quite the F.U. to the Constitution, which, by the way, he is duty-bound to uphold. He treats that esteemed document 
like a roll of toilet paper to be flushed. You'll recall that Biden stated repeatedly he had no authority whatsoever to order a vaccine mandate. He did it anyway. Inevitably, the Supreme Court struck it down. Same thing happened with his mask mandate. In September of 2020, he said, quote, I cannot mandate people wearing masks. And then he did. Once again, his order was tossed out on judicial review. His abuse of power on eviction moratoriums was even more brazen. He openly admitted that the law did not permit him to do it, and then he boasted he was going to do it anyway, to buy renters additional time to skate on the rent until the nation's highest court struck down his order, which it did. Joe didn't seem to care that he was violating property rights, federalism, and the separation of powers. But the Supreme Court cared. Like a card player who deals from the bottom of the deck, Joe Biden is a chronic cheater when it comes to following the law. Well, at least he's consistent. He was kicked out of law school for cheating. Some habits never die. The vast majority of Americans deeply resent the idea of forgiving loans for a select group of people. How is that fair to everyone else? Why should some get special treatment? Millions of borrowers who followed the rules and conscientiously paid off their debt are understandably incensed, and so are the millions who chose not to attend college because they didn't want to be saddled with exorbitant debt. But two of the U.S. Senate's top wingnuts, Elizabeth Warren and avowed socialist Bernie Sanders, are now demanding that Joe Biden eradicate all college debt. Here's Warren this weekend on CBS's Face the Nation with host Margaret Brennan. The concern is at this moment, it could also be inflationary in an environment where there already is high inflation. No, it is not inflationary. Not paying student loans has been baked in for three years now. But keep in mind, as President Biden himself says, the way we deal with inflation is not by making people poorer. The way we deal with inflation is we attack high prices head on, Mm -hmm. price gouging. We straighten out the supply chains so goods can come into people. We attack it head on, not by trying to make people poorer. Canceling student loan debt is something that would be good for people all across this country, and more importantly, good for our economy overall. Did you get that? Not inflationary. Really? Elizabeth Warren might want to read the in-depth analysis by the nonpartisan Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. They conclude that canceling all of the $1.7 trillion of student debt would, quote, represent a 4 to 20% increase relative to the median Federal Reserve inflation rate forecast. In other words, it would drive up inflation significantly, which has already reached a staggering 40-year high. On top of that, the committee explained how debt cancellation would also inflate tuition costs, which are already ludicrously high. Finally, loan forgiveness would only incentivize further reckless borrowing in an endless and destructive cycle. 
Warren doesn't seem to care, and why would she? Her net worth is in the neighborhood of $67 million. She can easily afford spiraling inflation. To her, it's just an inconvenient number. Warren readily admits that canceling student debt is purely an election ploy intended to boost the chances of her party, the Democrats, in the upcoming elections. Her recent op-ed in the New York Times, where else, was entitled, How Democrats Can Avoid Disaster in November. Forgiving all loans was the central feature. It's the definition of shameless pandering. Warren doesn't want Congress to abolish the debt. No, that would make too much sense. It would conform to the Constitution, which states that Congress has sole spending powers under Article 1, Section 8. Congress also has the exclusive power to dispose of debt, Article 4, Section 3. Instead, Warren wants to take the predictably senseless approach. She wants Joe Biden to usurp the power of Congress and issue a decree as if he were king. It's truly frightening to realize that Liz Warren was a law professor at Harvard. Maybe her student should ask for a refund, that is, if their debt isn't canceled. Joe Biden's loan pause has already cost you, the American taxpayer, more than $100 billion, and his latest extension will add another 15 to $20 billion, as noted correctly by the Wall Street Journal. Here's a quote. The extension will mostly benefit those who need it the least, higher earners with graduate degrees, end of quote. So forcing hardworking taxpayers to absorb that loss, well, that's like robbing the workers to give more to the wealthy, or as the New York Post put it, subsidizing the rich to appease the squad. The journal also points out that loan delinquencies have declined steadily throughout the pandemic as borrowers, aided by stimulus payments, reduced their balances. So there's no real crisis here, only a golden opportunity for Biden and Democrats to purchase votes at your expense. Nice scam. People like Warren know that Biden is constitutionally prohibited from granting the kind of wholesale debt forgiveness that she and Bernie and AOC advocate. So they lie about it by employing a clever ruse called presidential precedent. Here she is again on Face the Nation. Look. We know that the president has the authority to cancel student loan debt, and the best way we know that is because President Obama did it, President Trump did it, and President Biden has now done it repeatedly. The power is clearly extending there the need. deadlines. You mean there? No, no. They have canceled. Remember, they have canceled debt. They've both canceled it for people in certain categories entirely. But they have also canceled the interest that is due on people's student loans. They haven't deferred it. They have canceled it because the power of the of cancellation is already in the statute. President Obama, President Trump, President Biden have all done it. There you heard Warren saying the cancellation is, quote, already in the statute. Very clever. She's right, but only barely. 
It's true that the Higher Education Act gives the Secretary of Education the power to waive student debt, but what Warren is not telling you, what she's conveniently left out, is that such a waiver or cancellation is strictly limited. It only applies to a very narrow set of circumstances where, for example, a borrower becomes permanently disabled or where the lender committed fraud or where the borrower works in public service for 10 years. But that's about it. The same law that Warren cites actually proves she's wrong. Under the act, the president does not have the power to abolish all student debt. He does not possess that unlimited unilateral authority. Indeed, the opposite is true. Only Congress has the authority to dismiss this kind of debt. As a lawyer, I assume she knows this, but she is choosing instead to deceive the American public by manipulating the meaning of the statute and concealing the truth. There is no appetite in Congress to do what the progressives are demanding. The votes are not there. So Warren is trying to pressure a weak president into doing what Congress cannot accomplish. It's both shrewd and diabolical. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, for all of her flaws, is at least more honest about it. Here she is at a news conference. People think that the President of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone, he can delay, but he does not have that power. That that has to be an act of Congress. Pelosi is right. The framers gave the power of the purse to Congress, not the president. That includes taxation, spending, loans, and disposition of debt. Not that Biden would ever know that. So I won't be surprised if Joe decides to ignore the Constitution and the written statutory law. He's done it before, and he's prone to doing it again. He's a desperate leader who has created desperate conditions for the nation. It would therefore follow that he'll embrace yet another desperate act to save himself from the ugly consequences of his own incompetence. Joining me now is Carol Roth, who once upon a time was an investment banker. She's an entrepreneur, author of the book, The War on Small Business, How the Government Used the Pandemic to Crush the Backbone of America. She's also penned the New York Times bestselling book, The Entrepreneur Equation. Uh, Carol, uh, thanks for being here. Great to see you again. Um, This move by Joe Biden and Liz Warren and Bernie Sanders, AOC and the squad to, you know, forgive student debt. This strikes me as nothing more than than pandering, an attempt to buy votes, especially among young people where Biden has an approval rating of really a humiliating 21 percent. Used to be up in the 60s, dropped all the way down about 40 points to 21 percent. Is that how you see it? 
Absolutely. I mean, this is more of the government picking winners and losers and, as you said, buying votes. Uh, if you take a look at student debt, we have $1.7 trillion approximately, around $40,000 on average per uh, holder. You know, this is being called a crisis. Now we have auto debt, which is at 1.4 trillion, just a you know a, a few hundred billion shy. Nobody's talking about the auto debt crisis. Mortgage is you know some exponential factor higher than that. So right. we have to to go around and go you know why is this a crisis at forty thousand dollars on average? I paid that exact amount down in 1995 coming out of college in a year and a half. And, you know, this is a nuanced discussion, Greg. I mean, there is a reason why it's an issue. There are issues because the U.S. government is the largest predatory lender signing uh, teenagers up for things that perhaps they don't understand. And, you know, perhaps these degrees are worthless and that's why people can't pay it back. So we need to be focusing on these root causes of the issues. If you just get up and forgive student debt, we haven't solved any crisis. We haven't solved any problem. We've just said, hey, for all the hardworking people who paid off their debt, for the people who decided to go to trade schools, for the people who decided to take a less expensive option because they knew they couldn't afford it, now they are going to have to pay it uh, on your behalf because we have chosen you as the the people we are going to give the game show prize of the day to. You know, um, and I hate to get personal, but but I think it it represents what many parents in America have gone through because of the exorbitant cost of uh, Roman board and tuition at, at, in colleges and so forth. But it dates back, uh, you know, to, to, to my days as, as a young person. And my parents, you know, scrimped and saved and socked away money, you know, religiously every month to help pay for my college education. And God bless them. I mean, it was one of the greatest gifts they ever gave me. When it came time to going to law school, I picked a law school that back then, University of California, um, was free if you could get in. I could have gone to a better, different law school, but, you know, I was trying to be responsible. And, you know, we didn't have the money. And, and, you know, I tried to do the same thing for my kids. I mean, we we saved and saved and saved and, and made enormous sacrifices to do it. So by forgiving this debt uh, for students, I mean, what's that saying to so many Americans out there who were responsible and conscientious and worked hard to do it? Yeah, it's a very bad and dangerous precedent. As I mentioned, I have a similar story. Um, Unfortunately, my parents couldn't afford it at all. I was the first person in my immediate family to graduate from college. Um, At the time, my father, who was an electrician, had been laid off. So he literally didn't have the money and, and, you know, contributed a little bit, but really didn't have the the amount of money. And, And he said, 
okay, if you're going to take on this debt, you need a plan to pay it off. And when I got out of school, you know, my apartment, people made so much fun of me. I had a cardboard box with a bed sheet over it, which was my nightstand. You know, I lived in this tiny little apartment. I think it was 400 square feet um, for five years so that my very first priority was paying off the obligation that I had taken on. And you know that was the way that I was taught, and you know was also taught the principle um, that you know if you're going to make this decision, it needs to have a return on investment. Of course, my father didn't have that exact phrasing, but that's basically what he was communicating. And we have removed the financial literacy piece, um, and we have sort of pushed this narrative that you have to go to college without, without any discussion of you have to have the right major, you have to get good grades, the amount of, of capital that you have to take on may, has to make sense. You can't take on $100,000 for an underwater basket weaving degree um, because you're probably not getting a, one of those highly coveted underwater basket weaving jobs. And so it really is a slap in the face to the people who have gone through and you know made all of these sacrifices. Because if you say to, to you, Greg, to me, to anyone else, well, isn't it better for society for people to have this higher education? Well, not if they can't pay off. 10 or 20 or 30 or $40,000 if they take it on, if they, if they can't get a job that is going to pay for that, if they can only get a job as a barista or that's what they choose, then no, it's not any better for society for you to take that job Mm. on that. That argument has completely gone out the window. Yeah. And, and, you know, we do need to do a better job of telling people, educating people that a college education is not the only path to success. There are many trades with attractive uh, salaries. You can have a bright future and not go to college, but we don't, we don't educate kids in that regard. The other problem, as I alluded to, is the ridiculous cost of higher education. I mean, you're talking about some of the Ivy League schools up to $70,000 a year, which to me is absurd. You recently wrote, colleges are selling educations that are more expensive than they are worth. I I completely agree with you. Yeah, I, you know, being a a recovering investment banker, uh, as you mentioned, you know, I have sort of a formula that if you cannot, and this goes, by the way, goes back to any debt that you take on. If you're a corporation and you look at a project and you're going to take on debt, you look at the payback period. So if you cannot pay back that loan within a three to five year period, you shouldn't be taking it on. And so basically, my formula is you do not want to take on more debt debt than what your salary might be, you know, three to five years out of college. So if, if you're not going to make, you know, $50,000 a year, $60,000 a year, you shouldn't be taking more than that down. And if you are, you should be able to pay it back. But the problem with the costs is because of the way the government has taken over the lending business and completely screwed 
these young people, I mean, I do have empathy because again, they are predatory lenders. They are going after teenagers and tying them down with something that they're not giving them the tools to evaluate. And what that has done is it's put more money into a system that has a relatively fixed number of of higher learning institutions. And we all know from supply and demand, when you throw more dollars at something with fixed supply, the cost is going to go up. And so what it's done, the the colleges have absolutely no skin in the game. And so it has allowed for them to balloon the cost. And by the way, most of that is going towards administration. It's not going towards, you know, some additional amazing hands-on teaching that improves the quality of the education or the jobs that they're getting. And the other thing that they did, because they've taken underwriting out of the process, against something that you would do for any other loan that you give, is they've said, well, you can't discharge this in bankruptcy. So these people are literally on the hook for this forever, which is different than any other type of debt that you take on. I mean, the, the whole thing is absurd. And it is all the fault of the government who now wants to be so kind and benevolent and, uh, you know, rack up more debt for you and me. Not long ago, I did a lengthy documentary on this. We spent months interviewing a variety of experts, studying the data. Uh, And among the people I talked to, um, college professors who were quite candid about this, to my great surprise, they seemed to universally agree that the more money the federal government pumps into financial aid, the more money the colleges charge for tuition. So, you know, it's another example of government programs creating or exacerbating the harm they're pretending that they're, you know, they're solving. Um, Shouldn't the government get out of the business of lending money to students? Shouldn't colleges be doing it or or other conventional lending institutions that are far more responsible than the government? In other words, free market solutions where the government butts out. Yeah, we absolutely need to get the government out of student lending. They have done nothing but drive up the price. We need to take it back to the private market. It needs to go through an underwriting process. And what I mean by that is that they need to look at the school, the degree, the person who's taking out the loan and what kind of student they are, what kind of, of major they're picking, what their job prospects are, and make a decision on, you know, this is how much we think we're going to be able to lend you based on those decisions. And the interest they charge should reflect that as well and also reflect that there is a bankruptcy process. And frankly, there should be recourse against the universities as well, that if you're selling us something and we're not getting the return on it, you know, whether you're holding a piece of the debt or the student can come back and say, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, this isn't what you promised, they need to have some skin in the game. Um, Otherwise, those prices are just going to continue to go up up and you know we are the ones who are paying for it and you know, frankly some of these institutions not only are charging insane prices but they're basically hedge funds described or disguised as higher learning i mean if you look at you know something like uh, harvard which has tens of billions of dollars i think it was up to 40 billion dollars um you know in it, its endowment you know that's a hedge fund that's not a university anymore yeah um you know, forgiving college debt, 
that doesn't solve the problem. That's a, you know, a happy face band-aid on top of a festering infected wound. I mean, it just transfers the burden to somebody else, taxpayers, and it incentivizes reckless behavior in, in taking out loans that you can't afford. Uh, I'm glad you brought up endowments. 20% of colleges and universities have more than a billion dollars <laughs> in endowments. I mean, shouldn't they be the ones who bear the burden of either reducing uh, costs or forgiving loans? Uh, they should. They should. And they should be selling a, a product that you know, has a commensurate value to what they're selling in the markets. Um, and if they don't, we sh certainly shouldn't be the ones that are propping them up. And that's exactly the point. This is not a solution. Having quote unquote free college, forgiving loans, you know, whatever it is, that doesn't help anyone. If somebody wants to invest in themselves and they feel like this is the way to a better path, they should be able to do that. We should be able to provide them some support in a way that makes sense in the free market with, it, with that underwriting piece to it. And the colleges should be delivering on that promise. But you know why you and I or anybody else is in the middle of this, I have absolutely no idea. Well, it's because the left wants free everything. <laughs> uh, and as you point out, you know, uh, on the smorgasbord of free everything is free college. Um, nothing's free, of course. Uh, and when you when you look at the ugly numbers, I mean, free health care, for example, would cost taxpayers three point two trillion a year, free college, 125 billion a year, free childcare, more than 200 billion a year. And then of course you got to toss in the green new deal. That's another $9 trillion. I mean, free stuff sounds really attractive <laughs> to voters, but it's nothing more than bribery with the true cost concealed, right? And, it, and not only the bribery with the true cost concealed, but a much larger cost than people realize. I would hope after the last couple of years, this would be more clear because we can point to it, right? People wanted to have their relief checks. They wanted to get their their Biden bucks, you know, in, in 2021 um, during the, the American Rescue Plan. We, we need more free money. And now we are very literally paying the price for that in terms of inflation. And the average family is going to pay, you know, five to six times that, if not more, um, in terms of inflation, because you, you wanted to get something free. Something free is very, very costly. They're just repackaging it to you. And so hopefully, you know, we can take this as a learning experience and try to communicate that to the people who don't have the economic and financial literacy and don't understand you're not actually getting it for free and it's just making everything more expensive. And you can go back. There are fascinating charts. I think AEI puts one out, um, you know, every year, a couple of years about the, you know, the costs of, of things that have kind of skyrocketed and the costs that have come down. And it's so stark. Everything that the government has inserted itself into, including colleges, you right. know, it is up and to the right. I mean, it is just a rocket ship versus things that are, you know, much more free market oriented that have come down in price. And you know, again, that should be a learning tool. 
Yeah. I mean, I've always said, uh, leave it to the government that could screw up a free lunch. And I, you know, you've cited examples of that. Um, let's talk a little bit about Elizabeth Warren, uh, because I played a couple of clips of her in this podcast. You know, she fancies herself as this brilliant policy wonk. She's been all over television uh, recently demanding that Joe Biden issue an executive order for giving or canceling all student debt. She claims the president has the power to do so, um, which is pretty astonishing statement since she's a lawyer. The president does not have that power. So she's either incredibly dense or she's deliberately misrepresenting the law and the Constitution. The Constitution gives debt responsibility to Congress, Article 4. Moreover, the Higher Education Act passed by Congress, which is statutory law that the president must follow, only allows for debt forgiveness under very limited circumstances. It has to be disability or fraud or 10 years public service beyond that. Uh, the executive branch, including the president, has no such authority to wholesale cancellation of student debt. So uh, isn't Warren really deceiving the American public when she says, oh, Biden can do it with a wave of a pen? Yeah, I mean, Elizabeth Warren is one of the worst people in Congress, in my opinion, because I believe she knows better. I think she's actually at her core a very intelligent woman. And so it frustrates me when somebody who is intelligent is being intentionally misleading versus, you know, some of the other useful idiots that happen to be in Congress. Right. Um, you know, the, the idea that somebody who is in the legislative branch is going to say, oh, no, we should just turn our powers over to the executive branch and they can just, you know, override us is insane. And I find this, you know, so sort of uh, chef's kiss hypocritical out of Elizabeth Warren, who made as a professor, I think it was somewhere around $400,000 teaching two classes uh, at right. Harvard. So, you know, I don't didn't notice her saying, well, you know, I really made far too much money on the back of these poor students. Perhaps I'll give some of that back or perhaps we should look at these egregious salaries because, you know, I really shouldn't have been paid that. No, she just wants an opportunity to uh, to have her and her cronies be able to do that again. And, um, you know, frankly, it's it's disgusting. Yeah, she was the highest tenured professor uh, at Harvard, um, Harvard Law, which is really amazing. Um, final question, canceling everybody's student debt. Uh, I mean, I've looked at a variety of studies that have examined uh, that idea. Uh, the best is the Committee for a Responsible Budget. It's nonpartisan. It's a nonprofit. They do good work. They conducted an exhaustive study, and they found that canceling the debt would increase the inflation rate by 10 to 50 <laughs> basis points in just the first 12 months alone. And, you know, Carol, we're already suffering historic inflation. So, you know, forgiving all of that debt, I mean, $1.7 trillion, that's just going to make inflation worse, right? 
Yes, and and I don't know when the study was conducted. Recently. Um, okay, so I was going to say, because we're in an even worse situation, obviously, again, the debt doesn't get canceled, it just gets shifted around, um, which, you know, as we know, has some Im- inflationary implications. But right now, t- as we, again, should have learned, throwing more dollars into a supply-constrained economy, this is Economics 101, uh, it's going to do nothing but de- devalue the you know the 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 dollar itself and creates you know additional inflation and longer term inflation and that inflation is a permanent tax this isn't a one time forgiveness you know once you get that inflation unless you have deflationary pres- pressures uh, you know it just continues to build on top of that so that becomes a permanent tax hike on everyone, including the people who have that debt, um, which, you know, makes no sense. I will offer, though, you know, a potential solution because, you know, I always hate, you know, not having sort of a, another side to the conversation um, for people. You know, there are some people who are really struggling with this. I mean, there should be a better opportunity for some of these people, particularly those that have, you know, these massive amounts of of debt uh, for graduate studies and whatnot, to be able to more easily refinance the debt and get lower interest rates because we have artificially suppressed interest rates through the Fed for, you know, years and years now. And so if somebody that you cannot discharge this, it's not like you're paying a higher rate because, you know, you're paying that because people have the ability to discharge it. If you cannot discharge it, um, given the interest rate environment, even though it's creeping up, they should be able to at least, you know, not be spending all their money on interest. Good idea. Yeah. Uh, and, And the good way to end our conversation, Carol Roth, former investment banker, Uh, entrepreneur, author of the book, The War on Small Business. Carol, thanks so much for being with us. It's been a pleasure. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening.